morning. Welcome to Laurel Heights. Let me begin by reminding us. Two weeks ago, we announced four goals for the members of the church here to be mindful of, not just for a year, but for us to focus on during the year. We are giving another push to daily Bible reading, inviting people to our assemblies, meetings, and classes, serving one another better. And this year, in a series of sermons, we have an interest in learning more from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Last Sunday, in chapter 1, the Corinthian church, we discovered, was torn apart by immature allegiance to various men, resulting in visible division. And Paul spoke to that concern in a very direct way. His purpose was to admonish and take them to the heavenly solution to their problem, unity in Christ. It is this simple. If I am united with Christ through the activity of my faith, and you are united with Christ through the activity of your faith, we enjoy fellowship with God and unity with each other. That's what we discovered in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. That brings us now to chapter 2. Listen, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul said, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God." Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory." But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him. So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, 
but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Here is something very typical of our age. A speaker gets into the podium on the stage in front of the camera and he has great vocabulary. He has a good voice. He is well spoken and so he secures the attention of his audience. And every acceptable common rule of good public speech is executed flawlessly. And the audiences who hear these speakers give these speakers their attention and they want to hear more and they recommend the speaker to others. Well, that's all good to be a good communicator. But sometimes there can be a problem if we do not verify the content of the speaker's message. This occurs all the time in modern religion. The speaker or teacher is well spoken and his appearance is good. Good delivery, appealing presentation, entertaining, people are influenced. But what is spoken isn't the truth. It isn't the truth. Have you thought about this? How do you get people to believe lies? You deliver them well. You have to be convincing. You must secure the attention of your audience and be well spoken and be a good communicator. Even if your information is wrong, deadly wrong, if your communication skills are popular and effective, you can always get people to believe what isn't true. Those who are gullible. Those who pay more attention to the style and the presentation than the content. Adolf Hitler put 11 million people to death by telling well-delivered lies. There are religious celebrities and TV preachers today and all over the internet not speaking Bible truth, but they are entertaining, they are appealing to the masses, and through their lofty speech, they deceive the hearts of the simple. Now I want you to go back and listen again to 1 Corinthians 2, 1 to 5. But I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. 
And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Here's what Paul is doing. He's taking the Corinthians back to when he first visited them. When he first came to them preaching the gospel. And he reminds them that he didn't show up to compete with the other speakers they were hearing. The culture, the worldly wisdom of the age. Paul didn't come to compete with all that. Paul's emphasis was not on personal charm and lofty speech and oratory skills and popular style. Paul came to Corinth with a simple message, one story, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It was uncomplicated. It wasn't like what they heard in the marketplace or in the pagan temples or the speeches of their philosophers. It was a simple story that was backed up with historical evidence. God sent His Son. Jesus lived a perfect life. He was crucified as God's remedy for sin, and that calls for a response. And the Corinthians had responded. The Corinthians who were reading this letter not only heard this message clearly delivered by Paul, but according to Acts 18, they believed in Christ, they repented of their sins, confessing their faith they were baptized. Now, Paul must review with the Corinthians the good news that he had delivered to them that they responded to, that brought them out of sin to God. And then they formed a local church. I'm reminded of the legendary football coach, Vince Lombardi. After the team had a humiliating loss, the coach went into the locker room and said, Okay, boys, back to basics. And he took a football from behind his back and held it up and said, Boys, this is a football. Back to basics. Paul is saying to the divided church in Corinth, here is the message I delivered to you. And all the emphasis was on the message, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And when Paul describes his personal manner, when he came to Corinth and his attitude, he says, I was with you in fear and in much trembling. That means he took his delivery of this message Absolutely seriously. With the fear of God in his heart and aware of the consequences of error, Paul told them the story of Christ and Him crucified, and that is the message they had responded to when they were baptized. Paul delivered the right message in the right way, verse 5 says, so that their faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Popular oratory cannot create faith. Entertaining presentations that merely stir the emotions of an audience cannot save people out of sin. All the wisdom of men cannot generate or maintain saving faith. So Paul delivered the 
message, the gospel of Christ, just as God gave it, so that their faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And then from verse 6 over to verse 16, there is one main idea. The message Paul delivered came to him and the other apostles directly from God given by the Holy Spirit. I want you to listen again to some of this beginning at verse 6. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. And as he continues over through verse 16, Paul describes the revelation of the gospel of Christ from God through the Holy Spirit to Paul and the other inspired men who gave us this book. That's what that's about. I'm convinced that these verses describe God revealing the gospel through His chosen servants, the message that we have written in this book that we use. Paul was faithful to deliver exactly the information the Holy Spirit gave to him. He wants the divided church at Corinth to remember, here's what you heard, and it came from God through me. Here is the source of your faith. Here's what you believe, and here's how you need to act on it. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 2. What do we take from this? Number one, to be saved, we need to hear one story. Many interesting things have happened in my life. And I could tell those stories, one after the other, and I could weave them together to hold your attention. You might even pay to come hear me. I think I'm a pretty good storyteller. And I have a lot of stories to tell. And I could make some up. And you would enjoy that. That wouldn't save you from sin. It wouldn't take you out of sin to God. It wouldn't provide any promise of heaven. We must be a people with one story, the story of Jesus Christ. It is this simple. You cannot be saved without hearing, believing, and responding to the story that was told by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we should make it clear to people that we invite to the services and to our meetings 
What we have is this story, the good news of the gospel. We don't have food and entertainment. Get that somewhere else. We don't have concerts. You find that at some other venue. We don't have a host of social programs and educational programs that attract the masses. We don't do secular education. We don't have a basketball team. We can't promise big crowds and big money. We have one story. We have one message. We tell the story that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote, and we take people to the other writings of the New Testament to show them what they need to do about that story. That's it. That's what we're about. That's what we do. I need to understand, and you need to listen, worldly attractions can become deadly distractions. It is relatively easy to get all wrapped up in the style and personality of a speaker. It is relatively easy to be attracted to what entertains you in a group setting. In the modern religious world, what is often called worship is nothing but entertainment. And it appeals to the masses and it brings in big numbers and big money. Guitars are expensive. Worldly attractions can distract us from what God wants us to hear and do. After visiting a modern, innovative church, you'll hear people say, Well, I'm going to go back to that church because the music sounds so good. I'm going to go back there because I really like the guy who preaches there. I'm going to go back there because they have fun and they have coffee and donuts that are so delicious and they have more people and they have more money and they have a better building. People are so off track about what the soul needs. Worldly attractions can become deadly when our relationship with God is at stake. Where the priority becomes anything other than Bible authority and God's message and the Son of God. We're in trouble when we're distracted by all of those things modern religion will offer. The power is in the story. Of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power. Romans 1.16. Now, it is all right for a preacher to be well spoken. To have good public speaking skills. To have a rich vocabulary. To follow the rules of good communication. But the real power is in the story of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You will not be able to stand before the final judgment seat and tell the Lord, my preacher was a good public speaker, let me in. Are you kidding? The power to be saved lies in who Jesus is and what He did, and we must respond to Him as instructed by the apostles who received the message, it says from verse 6 to 16, through the Holy Spirit. And let me add, your faith can stand 
on nothing else but this message. Faith cannot stand on anything or go anywhere or make any progress apart from the power of God imparted through His Word, this message. This is why we are giving renewed emphasis this year on daily Bible reading. This is why when you hear sermons and classes here, we have the Bible open. We're preaching and teaching from the text of Scripture. This is why our worship is based on New Testament pattern. This is why our faith, this is why our faith, we say, can go nowhere without being nourished by the Word of God. Let me summarize what we've learned from the first two chapters in 1 Corinthians. And then when I get into my sermon planning for February, there'll be more from the 1 Corinthian letter. Here's where we've been so far in these first two sermons. The church at Corinth was divided. It was an ugly spectacle of following men instead of following the Lord. Paul is appealing to them to be united in Christ, not in men, but in Christ. Here in chapter 2, he takes them back to basics. Here's what I, here's what I told you when I first came and brought you the message. When I came to you, Paul said, it wasn't about me. My personality or my style or my manner of speaking. I didn't come to you to compete with other speakers or teachers. It was and is about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. My final word this morning. Never let anyone distract you from the simple gospel of Christ. Charm is deceitful. What is popular and striking to the world must not intrude upon our faith. The problem is sin. The remedy is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Our response to Jesus Christ must be as directed by the apostles in the New Testament to take us out of sin to God. See, what God has planned for us, He has revealed in His written Word. What God has planned for us, He has revealed in His Word. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him, came to us through the Holy Spirit, written by the writers, and we have it here. No other book, no other message, no man-made religion can do for us what God offers to do for us in His Word. So, if you have heard this message, and you believe in Jesus Christ, and you want to confess that faith, repent and be baptized... This would be an excellent time to activate those good choices while we stand together to sing.